Hello and welcome to No Wax Needed, an Israeli podcast about martial arts. I'm Iftar Kovrin. And I'm Itamar Zadol. And today we have a very, very special guest. He's the chief instructor of uh, IOGKF, the International Okinawan uh, Goju Karate Federation, and uh, seventh dan in Goju Liu. I'm very privileged and very, we are very honored that he, he agreed to, to join us today. Uh, this is Nakamura Tetsuji Sensei. Uh, hi, hello, uh, shalom. <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> uh, so today we have, uh, um, obviously we're not going to do this interview in Hebrew, but in English, and many, many people from all around the world are more than welcome to listen to us. And, well, uh, last episode we actually talked about Nakamura-sensei, so all of you non-Hebrew listeners, sorry, but you will have to read it, just uh, read his bio by yourself. So we, we did this so we could focus on more interesting questions, ones that you cannot find on the internet. Uh, questions that are um, his opinions and his, his knowledge about, uh, about issues, And we got questions from many listeners, which are very interesting. So now I'll shut up and give the, the stage to, to our great guest. Uh, so our first uh, question is, uh, how do you think, how important do you think is to know Okinawan culture in order to, to be good at karate? Um, I think it is very important. We teach the uh, traditional karate. We are not training karate for the sports or trying to learn the uh, just uh, punch and kicks, but uh, uh, we try to learn whole things, including the culture, and uh, try to become uh, uh, you know, uh, better understanding the art and to become a good person. And for us to do that, we have to understand where the, this culture is coming from and what background this culture was developed. So it is very important uh, for uh, practitioners of our style to understand Okinawan culture and also same time the history uh, of Okinawa and also history of karate. And um, what, what, do you, what can you tell us about the history, like about the Chinese connection, for example, um, like what the connection to Kung Fu or martial, uh, ah, Chinese yes. martial arts? Yes. Yeah, Okinawan karate has, especially our style, have a strong connection. Uh, Okinawa used to be the independent country, and they had a more uh, stronger connection between the China, especially the uh, southern part of China, because of uh, their geographical location. And we have lots of trade, and also there are lots of cultures uh, across, uh, you know, be between the Okinawa and China, and also one of them are uh, martial arts. So we have strong connection uh, from the southern part of the Chinese martial arts came to Okinawa. As far as we know, the uh, uh, teacher was the founder of our style, Kanryo Higaonna-sensei, traveled to Huchao, and he spent uh, over 10 years uh, learning the arts, uh, which originally came from southern Shaolin uh, style, and uh, many influence from tiger and white crane style, And he brought back to Okinawa. That's how the, uh, uh, in our style, beginning of our style. And then combined to the uh, local martial arts with Okinawa, we, or they already had called tea. And tea and also this Chinese martial arts get together. Uh, it's become a, a nahate. 
And then later, his uh, successor, Choji Miyagi-sensei, who is the founder of our style, uh, made it to Goju Ryu. Okay. And um, one of the questions that came up was, uh, what do you think about people changing katas? Is it good? Is it bad? And what about creating new katas? Um, you know, I, I do not against anybody who creating new katas or changing kata as long as he claims it his own style, uh, you know, that's his own creativity. Uh, so you can do that way. But uh, uh, for me, my personal understanding, for me, it doesn't make sense for my style. And our style is developed for thousand years. And uh, the technique we developed, it came from actual combat uh, throughout many, many years and generations of uh, knowledge and experience behind it. And in modern time, uh, we cannot get the same kind of ex experience and knowledge. Uh, so this uh, knowledge itself is a very variable. Once we lose it, it will lose forever. So for me, what we practice, I learned from my teacher, I cannot change. Uh, I'm not intent to change anything. And uh, my responsibility is to try to keep this tradition long as much as I can and pass it to the next generation. But at the same time, like I said at the beginning, I don't have any problem with other people or you know, creating new katas and changing katas. As long as they, create, you know, they have a, their own responsibility, uh, that's, you know, that's, uh, that's okay to do. So it, it brings us to a question that is a little bit lower in the list, but you see your Uh, job your uh, yakume as, as chief yeah, instructor yeah, is to be the one who pass passes the tradition on or the one who spreads it as, as a chief instructor of the Goju international what do you, how do you see your your job your, ah, your yes. I think most important job for me is uh, I think try to keep the tradition and pass it to the next generation and uh, of course it's important to spread. But, you know, it's, I'm not so keen to make our organization with millions of students. Uh, it's very important to keep the quality because once quality is diluted, going down, there's no way to coming back. Once the, once the knowledge is disappeared, uh, this knowledge came from thousands of years. That's going to take another thousand of years to reach uh, to the same level. So... Uh, you know, for me, the quality comes before the uh, quantity. And uh, our type of uh, uh, art should spread little by little. It take, takes years. Uh, for, for, for example, to make one good instructor, it takes years and years uh, of training and teaching. So I would like to see uh, my organization grow steadily, but slowly, but keep the quality. This makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, so we talked about the importance of uh, tradition. And so what do you think about uh, the modern sports, sport arts and also sports science? What should we learn from it? What should we learn ah. from modern, modern things? I think we can learn a lot, uh, the modern science and sports science. Uh, you know, these days, I think sports is one of the big culture. Uh, people spend lots of money and uh, lots of research and, uh, are going on. And, uh, you know, many times uh, I learned uh, what we do has a lot of makes, makes sense. Uh, uh, looking from the sports science aspect, 
exercise we we have been doing uh, has actually make sense to develop our body and movement and also mind and so i can uh, you know i can use dot of those science to look at our own style how we we, we develop and uh, you know that's i think making us realize how valuable our culture is and also that encourage us to stick with basic technique what we do and uh, you know, I think make us make us better. Those science will help us to become better. And also another question that came up was, um, how do you use both both aspects? Like we have uh, in karate world, or probably in martial arts world, there's a, a principle of shuhari. Hmm. Like you first preserve the idea, then break it down and, and separate from it or something like that mm. and so how how do you treat this concept when when do you start looking or inventing new things or new drills or new ways to look at karate mm. um yeah i think shuhari came from a japanese uh, martial arts the idea yeah and uh you know for me myself it's uh not level to create anything yet but you know uh, i'm still learning a lot from what i'm uh, learning from my sensei higaona sensei and maybe if i can say it uh, many exercises we do or many katas we practice i'm trying to understand deeper and try to teach in same kata but from different angles uh, so uh, you know if you, i can you know in the old time people have to train maybe 1000 times uh, maybe i can do it uh, maybe a little bit faster uh, try to approaching different angles so making uh, students to understand uh, and uh, master the technique faster uh, that's uh, I'm trying to look into it, but it is a difficult, difficult concept. I, I, I do not think I'm going to change anything, but I mean, I, I'm not going to change the, uh, what we have, but I'm trying to find a way to teach same things in different ways, better ways to students to learn. Ah, thank you. Okay, as a, as a Japanese and uh, teaching uh, Okinawan uh, martial art, do you feel you need to adjust some of the way you teach when you teach uh, Western countries? Oh. Uh, yes, I do, yes. Uh, what I have been, yeah, you know, when I trained myself uh, in Japan, Sensei, he doesn't need to explain why we do. Uh, sensei will tell you, okay, do push-up. I do push-up until Sensei said stop. Uh, or Sensei said, okay, work on Gekishadai uh, Kata. I practice kata just until he he told me okay, do other things. Uh, you know, there's no question about it, and uh, uh, we just do whatever sensei tells. Uh, but uh, the teaching the Western culture or teaching the uh, uh, big group is, is different. Uh, many times, for them to really spend time, they need a reason why we're doing this. So you know, I have to make the adjustment uh, so uh, sometime uh, I have to explain uh, why we it's so important to this simple exercise what doesn't mean much for them and it's so hard 
physically it's very demanding. So most people won't spend time if you know if they are themselves. But if I ex by explaining it why it's so important, I'm hoping they will do uh, spend time more. So it, in that way, I have to adjust. But at the same time, I have to be careful. The relationship between sensei and student is trusting and respect. So it's very important student to do what sensei tells you without any questions. That culture also, I shouldn't lose it. So, you know, there, there's a, a balance. Uh, you know, I have to be very careful. I cannot explain everything, but at the same time, I have to explain a little bit for students to encourage. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> difficult. Yes, <laughs> it is very difficult. Um, and you said a, a few words about teaching a large group, like in Gashuku. So, how do you, how do you, do it do you choose like a certain subject to to do or do you do you change uh, the methods from your regular ways you teach mm, yes yeah i do change uh at my dojo teaching my students is uh, i do not explain much i just do uh repetition in a, in a way it's kind of boring for my students uh <laughs> you know i do a lot of repetitions without explaining much uh, because it's their, my students are very close to me. But uh, when I come to, come to the Gashuku, maybe I see the students once every year, uh, once, once every other year, you know, it's a very uh, special occasion. So I try to explain more, and also I have to focus on certain subject uh, for them to understand. Uh, so I don't learn the uh, Gashuku not like regular class, do the warm-up basic katas, I, I really focus on certain things. I try to explain. I spend time. So students will get something from Gashuku and bring them to the home and they can keep training and improve. Hey, I want to take the first part of your answer and you said that to your students, you don't explain much and you do a lot of repetition. From my little experience from Japanese teacher, even inside this repetition, there are things you're trying to pass to them without words. That's correct, that's correct. And for example, when you explain repetition, you, you, you try to give them the same principle again and again, or you try to attack the same shape from different angles of, in, in your mind? Uh, when, when you teach, when you try to pass things, you, yes. you like, I don't know, on Monday you'll do... I'm sorry, I'm not very... I yeah, don't know yeah. a lot about karate, but you do one exercise with... Uh, trying to show one point and two days later you will do it different oh, or you yes, just yes, okay. do the same thing with the yeah. same intentions to give it to them the, the, this principle strong and mm. yeah I think uh, where I teach certain like uh, period I focus on certain things yeah and of course during the class I do not do exactly the same things every day so there are some varieties of things uh, we focus sometime hojondo uh, sometime we do the uh, more training for the basic or certain katas but uh, usually I do maybe a few months uh, just one subject will focus so that period every class they have a part of this subject continue and then less of the class, we do a little bit variety of things. So it's, again, it's a mix of variety and also the uh, focus, but it's still 
continuously focus on one, one topic as well. And, and all that without talking, without yeah, words. Yeah, that's right. I do not uh, explain to my students. I don't, because they are very close to me. Okay, so how do you train by yourself? What is your uh, training regime? Mm. Um, usually I spend uh, two, three hours in the morning myself uh, tra- training. It's maybe 30 minutes meditation at the beginning. And I do certain exercise. Uh, my own training is also... It's, it will change. My, my training regime will change from time to time. And the different uh, level, different time, my focus will change. But uh, main things I do is try to achieve my body hard and soft. So uh, core exercise would be a sanchin is one of the core exercises I constantly do. Sanchin tensho kata. And also other exercises I do is try to soften my body more relaxed and more free movement. So this hard and soft. And then on top, I have a different topics uh, in, in the time. Sometimes I focus on one certain katas or one certain technique. I just practice one technique for 30 minutes or hour or so. Or some other time I focus on makiwara punches. Or sometimes it's uh, doing, doing some blocking techniques or self-defense techniques. So, Again, my training will change, but core exercise I have try to achieve my body improve uh, hard and soft, go and do, is always the uh, main part. Do you feel that since you, you became chief instructor, your regime had to change? Um, not change, but uh, it's encouraging me to try, try more hard. Because of my responsibility, you know, I feel, okay, I have to be good. So, you know, uh, that gives me more mentally, uh, you know, give me uh, encouragement. So, uh, it's a big responsibility, uh, but at the same time, it's, uh, I take it positively. It gives me a reason to train even harder, so it's good. And some, uh, some of our listeners uh, know about Higona Sensei, uh, amazing ability to train hard. Yes. <laughs> and they wanted to know more about his regime ah. of training. <laughs> Yes, uh, I, see, I think I'm one of the lucky, lucky person. Uh, you know, I, I spend lots of time with Higaona-sensei. And uh, yes, I never saw anybody trained like Higaona-sensei. You, you, you know, when I was young in California, I usually go to Higaona-sensei's home around 8 o'clock. Then when I arrive uh, at his home, he's already soaking sweat. And uh, after that, he still keeps training himself. Uh, and the way he trains is, uh, you know, he block everything else, but he's, he's fo- he focus on one thing. And uh, he spends so much time and energy. Every single movement, he, it's coming from his heart. He's put 120% of his effort on every single movement and just keep going again and again and again. Uh, you know, I learned so much uh, from how I should train from him. And, uh, you know, sometimes I hear uh, people talk about Higaon Sensei is uh, like a gifted martial artist or born with uh, ability. But uh, I don't think so. You know, if you see Higaon Sensei that much, somebody who that much train, that explains why he's so good. Uh, he's doing this like six, 60 years. Uh, it's... it's uh, Amazing to see where the motivation and uh, it's coming from. 
because I can see, for example, top basketball players, the football player, baseball player, or mixed martial arts. Uh, they have a goal to achieve, to become a champion, to make a million dollars. So during their career, they train so hard, they spend so much time, so much money, and sacrifice lots of things to become a best. But Higaon Sensei does it without those motivation. Uh, his uh, motiva motivation is, I think, to become the best of himself. Uh, you know that kind of motivation to keep it for 60 years. It's uh, Unbelievable uh, to see. I think the uh, I respect him a lot, not because of ability, but his his how he spent his life, how he makes a decision, and to become who he is now, and still not satisfy that, and still keep going to trying hard to become a next level, looking still looking up. Yeah. That's from the little times I have had the opportunity to 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 study with him. I <laughs> <laughs> it's it's um, I have no words to express it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And well, if we talk about motivation, we last episode we we told your story that and part of it was that you you spent uh, when you went to Okinawa, you had to spend like six months mm. without. Any teaching, just training <laughs> hard every day. Yes. And you didn't know when it's going to end. So yes. what, what kept you going? What was your motivation? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So <laughs> 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 many years ago. <laughs> yeah, some like a 30, yeah, almost 30 years ago. Uh, yes. You know, um, I graduated university and, uh, you know, I decided to go to Okinawa to train karate. And it was a, a big decision because my parents all against it. Uh, in Japan, it's a very structured society. So you, so you graduate a good university and my parents support it financially, everything else. So I was supposed to find a good job, to find a good career life. And uh, when I, dis I met Shuichi Aragaki-sensei, I decided this is it and, you know, uh, I, I just want to go to Okinawa from and learn this Okinawa Goju Ryu. Uh, everybody against it. My parents, my friends, my teacher, even my karate instructor in university, they all said, you're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, but, you know, I, I, mean, I think I was young and very passionate. So anyway, I decided to go to Okinawa. And beginning of, uh, of things, and I, I was so excited. But uh, at the same time, once Alex Sensei took me to Higaon Sensei Dojo, he told me, okay, he, uh, he'll be busy, so I cannot teach you. So do this exercise every single day. At the beginning, so excited. But after a week, months, two months, I was kind of a bit, you know, <laughs> start questioning, where am I going? But uh, at the same time, I couldn't back up because I throw everything out and myself come to Okinawa you know I cannot uh, you know, no, no backing anymore so I just have to keep going and keep going and uh, uh, luckily after six, six months <laughs> yes Alex sensei came and also you know he, Alex, through Alex sensei Higaon sensei I met Higaon sensei and after Higaon sensei invited me to the uh, California to become a professional instructor. So uh, now I can say it was good, but 
that time, I, honestly, I was not sure where am I, go, I, I was going. Only I had this, uh, maybe I was young and uh, I had uh, passion. Um, that's all. I didn't have any plans. or I didn't think I, I can make money from uh, doing karate. Uh, yeah, maybe I was stupid, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I don't recommend to anybody, especially my daughters. I do not recommend to do that. <laughs> so basically, you, you think that the point where you decided to, to spend your life in karate was when you met Shuichi Aragaki-sensei? Uh, yes, I, yeah, I think I have a two times. Uh, yes, first time I met Shuichi Aragaki-sensei, that's uh, life-changing. Uh, I decided, you know, what I have learning in before was more like a, for the street fight. But when I met Aragaki-sensei, I see the uh, like generation of knowledge behind him. And he was already over 60 years old, but he could uh, treat me like a child. I was so impressed and uh, in a way I was a bit scared uh, for the skill he had. But at that time I decided, okay, this is something worth spending my life. And then after uh, next moment, he's a Higaona sensei, I think. Uh, after three years training with Aragaki sensei, but you know, I was doing part-time job uh, for teaching the uh, prep school. And uh, I didn't have a, a, a career, job, job. And just training karate at that time in Okinawa. So I was not sure where I'm going. And then Higaon Sensei picked me. And uh, Higaon Sensei asked me to come to, come to California to be an assistant instructor of his dojo in California. At that time, was also life-changing. Uh, around that time, I was questioning myself. What should I do? You know, should I find a career? And in Japanese, find a career is uh, uh, not so difficult, but at the same time, you have to commit lots of times. Once you have a job, you don't have a time to train as much. Higaon-sensei bring me to California, and I become uh, uh, Higaon-sensei uchideshi and training whole day. So that's another you know, turning point uh, of my life. So... Uh, for me, Shuichi Rak sensei first, and also uh, Morio Higaon sensei is now it's my uh, lifetime uh, sensei. Uh, those two senses uh, changed my life. Oh, this is such a great story. <laughs> Should make a movie about you. <laughs> <laughs> If I, my, my daughter see it, and it, I don't want them to follow my path. <laughs> Because there's no, no guarantee for their success. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, maybe two last questions. Yes. So people asked us to ask you, um, do you think there are two paths for amateurs and professionals? Do you teach professionals and amateurs different things? Uh, yes, I do. You know, I do not teach different things to amateurs or professionals, but the, I, the intensity or, or requirement or, or I demand more For example, if I teach same katas, I'll bring those uh, persons who are committed. I'll make them to practice 100 times. And then uh, amateurs, uh, or, you know, people have a different objective of his life. They, uh, many people practice karate to make their life better. And very few people practice karate to master the art, uh, to, be, to become a master. 
the intensity and also the uh, demand is different. So I push them much more harder, uh, 10 times more harder than regular students. I pick some students and uh, you know, I took them on the side and personally and uh, make them do many, many times, many, many times. Uh, but uh, the contents uh, in general, I teach same things, the same thing. But uh, you know, the mastery, the level of mastery should be, uh, must be very different. So uh, I demand more for the person who commit. Okay. And one, one last thing, I think. How do you treat uh, black belt disparity? I mean, if, if you have uh, like, um, a student which is not so gifted, but he trains a lot of time for many years and he, he, he's doing his best. So eventually he will get his black belt, I suppose. He won't be as good as other black belts. Yes. So how do you treat this, like that mm. you don't have equal black belts? Yeah, uh, that's true. Everybody is different. And uh, some people are you know, physically gifted and uh, learn things quick. And some people take forever uh, if they, <laughs> they can master. It takes a lot of time. But, you know, e- more, more, I think often those people who are not gifted, they love it. Uh, they, they come, they don't give up. They keep coming to the dojo and uh, they have more commitment to, to love, I, I found. People who get uh, things easily, they get certain level, then they disappear. You know, I, I prefer people love the art, even though they don't have the uh, physical ability, you know, they continue. And uh, I do help them. Uh, I spend more time with them, actually. I ask them to stay after the class or come to a certain time to prepare uh, for the gradings. And uh, they, they need more uh, special attention. And uh, even though they are not same level, but I think at one point uh, when I see certain develop uh, improvement, it's fair they should be graded for the black belt. And uh, eventually they will, they will reach. Uh, some people have a problem, some people have a, a, a flexibility problems, some people joint older age, physical problems, mental problems. But as far as they try and show the effort and improvement, uh, they should be awarded to, to the next, uh, next level. Thank you very much. Is there any last thing you want to say to our audience? I came to Israel many times and uh, I love this country and this country had a great leader, uh, my s- very, very senior instructor, Sensei Leon Pantanowicz, uh, he's somebody whom uh, I respect most and he developed this uh, organization here in Israel, IOGK Israel, and uh, it's now growing uh, stronger and stronger and I'm uh, sure he, he'll be, he's very happy uh, to see the growth of Iological Israel. I wish Iological Israel to keep continuing to grow and become strong and teaching the uh, true essence of traditional martial arts in this country. Okay, thank you very, very much for, for joining us. We're, ah. we're really honored that you accepted. Thank you. Toda, toda, alaba. Thank you. So this concludes our interview with Nakamura Sensei. 
We would like to thank all the listeners who gave us questions. We did our best to put as much as possible, but uh, there were just too many. So thank you about that. Uh, also, we'd like to thank uh, Yaniv Shalev, who gave us equipment for the uh, recording. He's also the one who composed the great uh, piece that uh, starts and ends this uh, podcast. And of course, many, many thanks to uh, Nakamura Tetsuji-sensei. That was such an interesting interview. And also thank you for all of our new uh, listeners. Uh, usually our podcast is in Hebrew, but uh, every now and then we'll have a, an English uh, chapter or episode, probably of an interview. So please stay tuned. questions, requests, or any other reason, you can reach us on our Facebook page, No Wax Needed. Send us an email at no.wax.needed at gmail.com or post something in our homepage, nowaxneeded.wordpress.com. Feel free to share our stuff as long as you remember to credit us.